Hey everyone, I'm Kurt Bruner, your host, and welcome to this special edition of the podcast. This one's designed to help parents who are getting ready to have the talk. Uh, You know what I mean by the talk. Actually, two talks. First, we're going to talk about that process where we prepare our children for adolescence as they're entering the beginning of puberty. In fact, um, that usually occurs around 11 years old. At least it did with our children. Sometimes a little younger, uh, a little older. depends on the boy or the girl and their, their process of development. But there does come a point where... You can tell, okay, hormones are starting to kick in. Maybe they're at the beginning or about to enter the beginning of bodily changes. And so I need to talk to them about it. I need to prepare them for it. The second talk is when they're a little bit older. They can occur at the same time, but usually they're a little bit older and you're talking to them about purity and what that means, especially as they enter that season of life where they become particularly interested in the opposite sex. And so you want to talk to them in advance so that they make key decisions about purity as they enter that season of life. I remember when I took my oldest son, Kyle, he was about 11 years old, for our Preparing for Adolescence chat, and I kind of set it up saying, hey, we're going to go off, we're going to have fun, and then we're going to have some conversation, kind of man-to-man conversation. And um, he got a little bit of a nervous look on his face because I think he sensed, you know, his radar was up, well, what kind of conversation? I don't think he wanted to have that conversation. And it's awkward for both the parent and the child, so you just have to push through that. But I said, well, you know, there's some things we need to talk about. And he said, well, Dad, I already know. And I uh, said, well, what do you mean you already know, and how do you know? He says, well, Alex told me. Well, I thought, drat, you know, I've been preempted by an 11-year-old buddy. I says, well, let's go ahead, and I just want to make sure that, you know, whatever Alex said was right and that you understand some other things that I think are important for you to know. So we went off and we had fun. We did some things together. We went off to dinner. And as we were at dinner talking about the details of uh, kind of where babies come from and so forth, I I, uh, looked at Kyle and he had an odd expression on his face. And I said, so, Kyle, is it like what Alex said? And uh, he looked back and said, Dad, it's nothing like what Alex said. Well, as parents, it's our job to make sure that they get it right, that they get the right information and that it's framed properly from a Christian perspective and God's design for them as a future husband, a future wife, future parent. So this edition of the podcast is designed to make that process a little bit easier because this is one of the most awkward moments a parent faces and yet one of the most important opportunities for instilling a Christian perspective on our Uh, humanity and on our sexuality. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, uh, as you plan this conversation, the timing is very, very important. They usually are ready for the talk younger than you're ready to give the talk. So probably, we suggest probably around 11 years old is when you should really seriously plan to have at least the initial phase of the talk. Uh, And then perhaps wait on another part of that talk, which would be about purity, when they're a little bit older and perhaps becoming interested in the opposite sex and maybe approaching those years where they're seeing their friends go out on, you know, dates or whatever it may be. So they can make commitments to uh, purity uh, right before they enter that season of life where it becomes very, very important. In fact, this might be a good place to mention uh, the idea that you, you might want to consider waiting as long as possible before you allow your child to begin dating at all. And here's why. One study showed that if a young woman begins dating at 12 years old, she only has about a 9% likelihood of being a virgin when she's 18. Versus if a young woman waits till she's 16 to begin dating, the percentage goes up dramatically that she will be able to remain a virgin 
And that's because we're wired a certain way. We're wired for relationship to the other sex. So why begin something long before they could possibly ever consider marriage, which is what dating is supposed to lead to? So what I thought would be best would be to introduce to you a couple of gentlemen that have helped me. First of all, Dr. James Dobson. I worked for him for 20 years. He was a mentor of mine. But he, years and years ago, produced a resource, a book, and then an accompanying audio resource called Preparing for Adolescence. Terrific tool. In fact, I've recommended many, many parents use this as they plan their excursion or their outing or their activity with their son or their daughter. And here's why. What he does is he actually gives the talk on a number of topics from peer pressure to bodily changes to how babies are made and some other very awkward conversations. He does it from the perspective of a clinical psychologist, so he's very straightforward, uh, and yet from a, from a Christian perspective, so he frames it in a way that I would want it framed. And the beauty of having these audios is as you drive, at least for me, as we would drive, to whatever our destination was, we would listen to them together. We're facing out the car window rather than looking at each other during some of the more awkward moments. It's being said well, uh, so I don't stumble or stammer or get it you know, wrong because I'm trying to be less direct or whatever it may be. And so we're just listening together and some of the difficult things get said. And then we have a meal together, we have a Starbucks together, whatever it may be, and we unpack and talk about that as it relates to our specific child. So that's how I did it with the initial conversation of preparing for adolescence. Went very, very well. In uh, in fact, now in three instances with my children, my three older boys, I've done that. My wife uh, with my daughter. And uh, in listening, they get all the information and then we move on and we talk about it. So what I want to do is share several minutes of an excerpt, a couple of excerpts, actually, from Dr. Dobson's conversations on a portion where he's talking about our bodily changes and how they relate to God preparing us to become parents. And the reason I share these segments is because I think they're most helpful for two things. First of all, to get a sense of that resource in case you may want to use that in your um, your plan. But secondly, to just listen to how he describes it, because if you're going to do it yourself, you'll get a sense of just how direct you can be, uh, how you can frame it in such a way that it's healthy and, and appropriate and, and beneficial. So what I want to do now is transition. We're going to listen to several minutes of Dr. James Dobson talking about bodily changes. He's going to start with the boy, and then he's going to talk about the girl. And uh, the idea is that both are listening you and the child together, and then you'll unpack it and talk about it. So here's Dr. James Dobson in the Preparing for Adolescence audio series. Okay, what can you expect to happen during early adolescence, and how will it all take place? The most important change that you'll notice is that your body is going to begin to prepare itself for parenthood. Now, notice that I didn't say you're about to become a parent. That ought to be years away. But I said that your body is about to equip itself with the ability to produce a child. That's one of the major changes that occurs during this period. The correct name for this time of uh, sexual awakening is puberty. And what we want to talk about is how that transformation takes place. First, let's discuss what happens to boys, and then we'll talk about girls. During puberty, a boy begins to grow very rapidly. 
faster than ever before in his life. And his muscles become much more like those of a man. And he'll get much stronger and better coordinated. Now, that's why a junior high school boy is usually a much better athlete than a fifth or a sixth grader. And why a high school boy is a better athlete than a junior high boy. You see, a dramatic increase occurs in his overall body size and his strength and his coordination during this period. Secondly, hair appears on the boy's body and begins to look more like the hair of a man. He'll notice the the beginnings of a beard on his face. Now, see, all of this is caused by these hormones. Uh, There's a hormone that comes from the pituitary that sets all this in motion. It causes the beard to begin to develop and hair in other places. And that boy's going to have to start shaving every now and then. Hair will also grow under his arms for the first time and also in what's called the pubic region or what you may have called a private area around the sex organs. Now, the sex organs themselves will become larger and more like those of an adult male. These are evidences that the little boy is disappearing forever, he'll never be back, and in his place will come a man capable of becoming a father and of taking care of his wife and family if he chooses to get married. Now, this fantastic transformation reminds me in some ways of a caterpillar, which spins a cocoon around itself, and then after a while it comes out as a totally different creature, a butterfly. Of course, the changes in a boy are not that complete and not that dramatic, but he will never be the same after undergoing this process of maturation, which is the medical word for growing up. Now, this period of rapid change is just around the corner for many of you, perhaps the one that I'm talking to right at this moment. Now, the frightening thing for some kids is that these changes occur very suddenly, almost overnight. The pituitary gland begins kicking everything into action, and it barks these orders right and left, and your entire body seems to race around inside trying to carry out those commands. Everything is affected. Even your voice will be different. I'm sure you've noticed how much lower your dad's voice is than your own. Have you ever wondered how it got that way? Was it always deep and gruff? Did it always sound like a foghorn? Can you imagine your dad in his crib as a baby saying goo goo in a deep voice? Of course not. He wasn't born that way. His voice changed during puberty, and that's exactly what will happen to yours too. However, an adolescent boy's voice is sometimes an embarrassment to him until this deepening process is finished because it doesn't sound very solid. It squeaks and it screeches and it wobbles and it cracks for a few months. But again, this is nothing to worry about because the voice will soon be deep and steady and a little time is needed to complete this development of the vocal cords. And now, as I've stated, practically every part of your body is affected in one way or another by puberty. Even your skin will undergo major changes, whether you're a boy or a girl. In fact, this is probably the most distressing aspect of all the physical events that take place in early adolescence. One study of 2,000 teenagers that I saw asked the question, what do you most dislike about yourself? And skin problems outranked every other reply by a wide margin. 
Now, these skin eruptions occur primarily as a result of an oily substance that is secreted during adolescence. And the pores of the skin tend to fill up with this oil and they become blocked. And since the oil can't escape, it hardens there and it causes what's called pimples or blackheads. And you might expect to have these imperfections on your skin for several years, although some cases are much milder than others. A few kids go through adolescence and don't have skin problems at all. The vast majority do. It's probably best to expect them. Now, of course, there's much more to the section where Dr. Dobson talks specifically to boys and about the changes that will occur for boys. But I'm going to skip ahead, and uh, we're going to listen to a portion where he now talks about the transitions that occur uh, for a young woman's body. And, uh, of course, again, the boy uh, who's driving with you or the girl who's driving with you or on this trip with you and talking about preparing for adolescence should listen to both of these with you because they need to understand what's happening to both the boy and to the girl. So let's transition into a segment where we're going to hear Dr. Dobson talking about what happens, the changes that happen to a girl as she enters puberty. Now, let's talk about the many changes girls will experience during the years of puberty. A girl's body goes through even more complex changes than those of a boy because it has to prepare itself for the very complicated task of motherhood. The way a woman's body functions to produce human life is one of the most beautiful mechanisms in all of God's universe. Now, in order to meet those requirements, a girl's body undergoes many changes during puberty. The sexual awakening, the changes we've been talking about, make it possible for a girl to carry a baby and become a mother after puberty. Now, one of those important developments is called menstruation, which you've probably heard about. Now, this is a subject that girls need to understand thoroughly in the days ahead. Most schools, in fact, provide this information to girls in either the fifth or the sixth grade. So what I'll tell you now may be just kind of a review for you, uh, a review of what you've seen and heard elsewhere. However, I feel it's also important for boys to understand this process, too, although they are seldom informed properly. So whether you're male or female, boy or girl, listen carefully as I explain what's actually taking place in menstruation. When a woman becomes pregnant, and by that I mean when that one-celled zygote has been planted in her uterus after having sexual relationship with a man, her body begins to protect that embryo and to help it grow. It has to have oxygen and food, and it has to have many chemicals which are necessary for life. And these substances are delivered to the uterus automatically through the mother's blood. But you see, and this is a very important point, you're going to have to listen carefully or I'll confuse you. Since the uterus has no way of knowing when a new life is going to be planted there, it has to get ready to receive that embryo each month just in case it happens. Therefore, blood accumulates on the walls of this special pouch on this uterus in order to nourish an embryo if the woman becomes pregnant. But if she doesn't become pregnant that month, then the uterine blood is not needed. It's unnecessary. And it is released from the walls of the uterus, and it flows out through the vagina, that special opening through which babies are also born. 
And this happens every month, every 28 days, although that number varies a bit from person to person. A woman's body will get rid of this unnecessary blood, which would have been used to nourish a baby if she'd become pregnant. It usually takes about three to five days for the flow of this blood to stop, and during this time she wears a kind of cloth pad to absorb the blood, and the process is called menstruation. Now, there's some very important attitudes that I want you to understand through this discussion. First, menstruation is not something for girls to dread or fear. Since the subject of blood, you know, causes us to shudder. Anytime you see blood or mention blood, people say, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Because of that, some girls get very tense over this process happening to them. And they start worrying about it and dreading its arrival. And they're embarrassed about it. And some don't want it to happen at all. But actually, menstruation makes possible the most fantastic and exciting event that can ever occur. And by that, I'm referring to the creation of a new human being. Now, let me make this final statement. Girls, don't worry about this aspect of your health. You will not bleed to death, I promise you. Menstruation is not an abnormal thing. It's as natural as eating or sleeping or any other bodily process. But if you feel you are abnormal in some way, if you're worried about some aspect of menstruation, if you think you're different or that maybe something has gone wrong, or if there's pain associated with menstruation, or if you have any question at all, then muster your courage and talk to your mother or your doctor or someone with whom you have confidence. In about 98 cases out of 100, the fears will prove to be unjustified, and you'll find that you're completely normal and that the trouble was only in your lack of understanding of the mechanism. Now, obviously, other things begin to happen to the body at about the same time that menstruation occurs for a girl. You probably will also have a growth spurt just prior to your first menstruation. Incidentally, the average age of the first menstruation in American girls is now about 12 and a half years of age, but it can occur as early as 9 or as late as 16 or 17. The age varies widely from girl to girl. Now, during this time, your body will become very rounded and curvy like your mother's. So some structural physical changes are going to take place around the time that your first menstruation occurs. Your breasts will enlarge, and they may become sore occasionally. And boys sometimes experience this soreness as well. This doesn't mean that you have a disease or cancer or some other complication, but simply that your breasts are changing like everything else in your body. Hair will also grow under your arms and on your legs and in the pubic region as with boys. Now these are the most obvious physical changes that take place. And when you see them happening, you can kiss goodbye to childhood. It's full speed ahead toward adulthood. 